getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. Hi, I'm Tyler Boss, one of the narrators on the Abide app, a premium ad-free biblical meditation experience. Join the millions of people who download the Abide app to reduce stress, improve sleep, and experience the peace of God every day. You can text the word PEACE to 22433 for a seven-day free trial of Abide. Just text PEACE to 22433, and you'll likely hear from me again on the app as I guide you through daily meditations or help you fall asleep and experience the peace of God. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me as always, my partner in crime and co-host, you know him, you love him, as the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com, he is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we were kind of chit-chatting about what we've seen from the first uh, couple slates of NFL action in week one. What do you think jumped out to you the most? Let's start with our, our most recent conversation that we just touched on briefly. Did you see a regression of the magnitude it appears to be from Baker Mayfield this year? I mean... Hopefully it's not a trend, and there's no reason to jump to conclusions. But like, he, we haven't seen that version of Baker Mayfield since he entered the NFL. It's it's scary to say the least. Yeah, we were just talking about this, like you said. I I was not expecting this at all from Cleveland. I, we were both huge, huge, huge Baker Mayfield guys. I still am. I bought into the hype with the Browns this year. That team is just stacked. It's loaded. They brought in Odell uh, Baker, looked like a franchise quarterback last year, but something. I don't know if it was week one jitters. I don't know if it was a letdown game early on in the season, but they did not look like the new Browns. They look really like the old Browns at home getting shellac Baker through multiple picks. It just, uh, it was not the team that had all this offseason hype. The team that I bought into, uh, they kind of made me feel bad for, for, you know, supporting them so much. We talked about this, but it's the biggest question mark, I think, for the Browns all offseason long is exciting as all this talent. I mean, they have all the talent in the world. They have the quarterback. The biggest question mark was the Freddie Kitchens hire. And as I mentioned earlier, it's like it's like the inmates running the asylum. That's the feeling I get. Whereas I think this is a team that, you know, Greg Williams, he's been a head coach in the NFL before. He was the interim head coach last year after Hugh Jackson got fired. He helped get this team on track, made them respectable down the stretch. They decided to give the job, though, to the offensive coordinator, Freddie Kitchens. And to me, that just kind of smacked of placating the quarterback is there any discipline in that locker room? That's the biggest question right now. Is there anyone on that coaching staff the players really fear? And that's, I think, going to be one of the predominant themes following the Browns throughout this season is if Baker Mayfield has to be the heavy, I mean, he's only a second-year player. That's just not a recipe for success. 
And, you know, not just with the Broncos, we, we've said it, you know, before Vic Fangio was hired, but coaching, 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 it's all what it comes down to in the NFL. And the Browns, at least for one week, at least for today, prove you can have all the talent in the world. You can have your franchise quarterback on the roster. You can surround him with so many weapons. But if you have, if we're hitting at it, it's true. If you have questionable coaching or inexperienced coaching or lacking coaching, it is always going to come out. It is always going to be that denominator that proves a winner or a loss. I still think they're going to have a good season, the Browns. I still think this was a, uh, you know, an outlier, not the, you know, not the rule for them, but it, it was definitely not an encouraging start. This was a weird week one, though, to begin with, Chad. There was so many different things that went on, a lot of injuries to Nick Foles, Tyreek Hill, uh, Pat Mahomes was banged up. It was just a really odd kind of opening week for me. Let me ask you this. Which of these following two quarterback performances do you feel like talk about an outlier which one do you think is more of an outlier and which one do you think is more legit something that's going to be duplicatable throughout the season Lamar Jackson's performance against the tanking Dolphins Mm. or Dak Prescott against the Giants let me say that Prescott is set up with a, a roster that's as loaded as the Cowboys have been since their Super Bowl glory teams. So I don't think that's going to be just a, a one-week thing for Dak. I mean, he is really feeling himself this year. He's in a contract here. He's going to get a big extension, but he just has so many weapons in that offense, and it really is looking like Super Bowl or bust for the Cowboys. Lamar Jackson, I wasn't as high on last year. He literally couldn't throw the ball, uh, but you're playing a tanking team in the Dolphins. It's one thing, I wrote this on Twitter, it's one thing to tank, but it's another thing not even to try. What an embarrassment the Dolphins were to step out on a field and take home a paycheck for that, to get blown out by Lamar Jackson at home. It, It was a deplorable effort. I don't think that will sustain in Baltimore. I think they have a good ground game, good defense. Lamar Jackson will prove he's not as bad as people made him out to be. I just don't think he's as good as five touchdowns a week. I thought that the the hand-wringing over Case Keenum's first half for the Washington oh. Redskins, it was making me crack up on, on Twitter. Everyone's like, look, this is what you do when you play to a quarterback strength. Right. I got Musker. the same mentions. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's like, look, dude. Did they win the game? <laughs> he also no. missed a receiver down the field. He had that one big hookup, and then he missed uh, uh, a streaking wide-open receiver. He just threw a duck, and that is who Case Keenum is. And it's no surprise that he might have started out good, but he yep. just can't make those throws in crunch time like he missed that one at DT last year. He's just not that type of franchise quarterback. The other two AFC West teams who played on Sunday, one, the Kansas City Chiefs beat Jacksonville, and then the San, or excuse me, Los Angeles Chargers it looked like they had this game against the Colts well in hand. And then Jacoby Brissett and the combination of him, Marlon Mack, and T.Y. Hilton brought the team back, but that defense was just gassed in the first court, or first drive of, of overtime and Rivers drove him down and, and punched it in for six, end of game. So right now you got the Chiefs, you've got the Chargers with 1-0 and records tomorrow night, Monday night, as you guys are listening to this tonight. The Broncos and the Raiders will throw down. So the Broncos have they don't really have any time to lose. If they want to keep, you know, tread water with these two perceived leaders of the division, they have to get cracking. So today we got a few things we're gonna dive into to kind of not so much really talk too much about the Raiders game. I think between the three different podcasts on our shows here, we've pretty much dialed in everything you need to know about the game. But there are some things that came out as it relates to your Broncos over the weekend that Zach and I are going to dissect for you. Got a couple questions from guys we're going to hit. But first, a couple of quick matters of business, you guys. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, especially all of our new listeners on Apple Podcasts and all of our new listeners on YouTube and across all the Android listening apps. 
at Huddle Up Pod. That's how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happened with the show in real time is by following us on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can find Zach on Twitter at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen. Now, if you are interested in being entered into the the get the giveaway, the drawing that we do each and every now that the football season is upon us, we're going to be doing this each and every month. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and leave a creator review. If you like what you hear, give us a five star rating. What's going to happen is just like in August, at the end of September, we're going to randomly draw a name or two from the hat of people who entered reviews in Apple Podcasts, and we will send out some Mile High Huddle and some Huddle Up Pod swag at the top of October. So if you haven't done that, take care of some business. Fantasy football season is here, and this season there are more ways to win than ever because FanDuel has more ways to win cash prizes and once-in-a-lifetime experiences during every single game, every single week. If you never played FanDuel fantasy football before, that's great, because new users get $20 insight credit if they deposit $20. Each and every year, fantasy football helps hardcore fans like us, and even the casual fans, to get that much more passionate and involved in the NFL regular season. But don't get stuck in a lineup that you're going to regret. With FanDuel, you can pick a new team each and every week. FanDuel is way more flexible with your options. And the injuries and busts, guess what? They don't end your season. Plus, you get the chance to win millions of dollars. Sign up for FanDuel now and get $20 in total bonus. Just make your first deposit of $20 to get started, and you'll get an extra $5 in site credit every week for four weeks. Go to FanDuel.com slash DFS Fantasy. That's FanDuel.com slash DFS Fantasy or download the FanDuel app. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Zach. Let's touch on really quick the biggest, well, really the only thing as it relates to Monday night's game that we, we need to touch on here, and that is the injury report. for Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy-efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. The Denver Broncos, the, the final injury report, of course, came out on Saturday and there's a couple of questionable situations here as it relates to your Denver Broncos. First and foremost, Andy Janovich, Joseph Jones, we knew those guys were not on, on track to play. They're out. Todd Davis officially listed as doubtful, and the Broncos were, they said they'll probably make a final decision on Davis, not at game time, but probably on Sunday. So that's probably already been decided. But here's where it gets even more sketchy, Zach. Bryce Callahan, who was on the injury report all week with that foot, limited, limited, limited on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, officially questionable for Monday night. How big of a concern is that for you? I'm still not ready to press the panic button on Callahan just yet, but uh, we've been talking about it the last couple months. It's concerning that that foot, which hindered him last year, which which affected his his free agency stock, it's still bothering him after all this time. And Vic Fangio, uh, previously in training camp in the preseason, kind of getting annoyed that Callahan wasn't available. Um, even if he plays, I would imagine he's limited to some extent. They probably have a certain amount of plays for him, certain packages for him. And this is where the depth in that secondary is so valuable. That's why it's so valuable to still have a guy like Chris Harris Jr., an all-pro, to have Kareem Jackson back 
back there uh, to have some young players in that secondary you can you can build around. And if Callahan doesn't go, you can get by with. I want to see him play, but it's so tricky with the foot. And you have a cornerback who relies on his backpedaling and stuff like that. You don't want a, him to suffer a re-aggravation. So I, I, I want him to play. I want to see him out there to, to see what he can do in this defense. But I don't want to risk him being longer than he's already out. Yeah, this is going to be a game that I would be – I would guess Bryce Callahan is going to be on a little bit of a pitch count. You know, he'll probably start the game. My guess is he's going to go. He's questionable, not doubtful. My guess is he's going to go. But the Broncos are going to be smart with how much they play him. They kind of have to be at this stage because the season's just kicking off. And as you said, you know, they don't, they don't want to overdo it now and lose their second-best corner for any, you know, long stretch of the season. So that's where Isaac Yadam comes in. That's where Devontae Bosby come in. They have, you know, they sh- both of them showed some strong, strong um, indications that they're turning a corner in their respective careers as cornerbacks here. So I think with Antonio Brown, which, you know, we can touch on in a little bit here. I mean, I don't think any of our listeners have, have had any of the shows up to this point really comment yet on Antonio Brown. We'll get to that here in a second. But Bryce Callahan, man, if he doesn't suit up, I think the Broncos will be able to handle business because besides now the Brown's gone, there's no one really in that Raiders receiving core that scares me. Right, that's a great point. I mean, you have Hunter Renfro in there, and you have Darren Waller at tight end, but with that Antonio Brown, that offense is kind of one-dimensional. I don't know what Derek Carr is going to do, probably run the ball a lot. So yeah, this game, and I would even venture to say, Chad, next week's game against the Bears, they have Allen Robinson, but not a really explosive receiving core. I would think, though, he'd be back, Callahan, hopefully, for that Green Bay game. That's one quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. You're going to need all your weapons and all your your strongest people on the field. But, yeah, if he sits out this game, if there's one game for Callahan to miss, I think it's this one, Chad. Josh Carney had a great film article over the weekend breaking down. You know, this was before the news of Antonio Brown's release came out. He said, look, enough of Antonio Brown. Everyone knows he's going to get attention. Here's two sleepers, though, that are probably – going to factor into the Raiders' offensive game plan a lot more than people are really thinking right now, and that is wide receiver free agent acquisition Tyrell Williams, formerly of the the Chargers. Most fans can remember him. And then also the rookie running back Josh Jacobs from Alabama. That's really going to have to be, with a little Wallers sprinkled in, Oakland's tip of the spear when it comes to things offensively. So, you know, bottom line, though, if the Broncos had to get by one one regular season game without Callahan, this might actually be the best opportunity to give him that rest probably doesn't come down to that I think he's going to play but it's a situation to monitor now Zach what was your let's just one quick topic on this and then we'll move on what was your reaction finally to the way things resolved with Antonio Brown and the Oakland Raiders I mean, I was surprised that they released him, but I wasn't surprised at all that he signed with the Patriots. I mean, as soon as that move was made, I and everyone else had the same joke on Twitter, and it actually came true. And and sad that Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon on the same Bill Belichick coach team with Tom Brady as your quarterback, that is pretty terrifying. But the way it ended in Oakland, it is one of the strangest, oddest, most captivating storylines you can I can recall in quite some time between the frozen feet, the helmet, him calling the, uh, the GM a racial slur, then finally forcing him out after signing him to a big deal. I have not seen anything like that. And it, it, all you can really say is only the Oakland Raiders. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's get to the other big piece of news that broke over the weekend for the Denver Broncos anyway. And that is the fact that Joe Flacco and the Broncos 
restructured his contract. Now, basically what happened, just to give you guys the quick deets, and then we're going to go through the implications in a fine article that Bob Morris published at milehighhuddle.com over the weekend. But here's what happened. So the Broncos basically converted $17 million of Flacco's 2019 salary into a signing bonus, and then they added two additional years at the end of his term, and they're voidable years, by the way. The Broncos did not change his base salaries for 2020 and 2021. They're basically 20 million and, and a quarter, and then 24 and a quarter, respectively. Neither of which are those seasons guaranteed. So from here on out, you know, he converted his his 2019 salary basically to a 17 million dollar signing bonus. But from here on out, just like before this season, before this, I should say, restructure occurred, even though he added two additional years to his deal. Each one, he's basically playing on one-year deals. It's a series of one-year deals. So the Broncos, if things don't go the way the Broncos want to with Flacco, they can get out. Now, here's what I want to get to is by doing so, Zach, they, uh, the team freed up about $12 million in cap space. So they're, well, I should say they're sitting now with about $12 million in cap space. And next year, they're projected to have $54.2 million in cap space. So next free agency period, now they have a few of their own they're going to need to get re-signed, but the Broncos are going to be able to to throw some weight around next year in free agency. But before we get to these implications, what was your gut reaction to the Flacco restructure? I, I think it was a smart move. It, it's not really, you know, uh, torpedoing the cap in future years. You're not kicking the can too far down the road. And you get some much-needed cap space now because the Broncos were really cutting it close. They couldn't even afford to sign another big-name player after Theo Riddick. To me, um, as soon as this move was made, though, I got some questions on Twitter. Everyone's asking, what's this made for? What do they have in mind? People were saying Trent Williams. I don't think it's an outside acquisition. I think they made this move. This was my gut reaction because they have so many in-season extension candidates. Justin Simmons leaps out to mind. Shelby Harris, Adam Gotsis. They have so many players they can lock down between now and the and next offseason and kind of save themselves some money by not letting those players hit the open market. It's, you know, locking up your talent now rather than later, which I think the Broncos have good foresight to do, and now they have the money to do it with. Again, great article by Bob Morris at milehighhuddle.com. It's it's the lead story right now. Probably still is as you're listening to this, so go check that out. But I want to go through these 10 implications. We'll try and rapid-fire them uh, as we get through this article. But Bob starts this out with, uh, number one, the question is, was this the right move? And I don't see any way in which this was a wrong move. I don't see how this, this move could be you know, criticized because not only is it freeing up the cap space, but the Broncos really didn't put any more um, on the line, so to speak. Yes, they added two additional years to his deal. So he ha- he's under contract for four more seasons following 2019, but they're all voidable. They're all voidable. The Broncos can get out of each one with little to no uh, cap ramifications. So... To you, Zach, number one being, was this the right move? As you so uh, accurately pinpointed there, it frees them up to whether it's signing guys if they suffer injuries, they can sign free agents, or extend guys in season. Is there any way you could see this backfiring on the Broncos in any way? I don't think so because they had no money, and you need money to you know assemble your roster and keep the cupboard full. I mean, look at Jerry Jones in Dallas. He had money, and he's spending it to lock down his young talent. That's what the Broncos should do if they're smart. To me, again, it, Justin Simmons is one name that just screams to mind. He had a tremendous summer, and I think he's going to have a breakout season. And just na- take him, take care of him now, not let him get to the open market. But there's no downside to this move. They are already, we already knew they're committed to Joe Flacco for this season, 
more than likely, I would say next season now, considering Locke is battling an injury. So we already knew it's going to be the Flacco show next couple years. But like you said, they have voidable outs in that contract. They can get out of it with, with minimal financial penalty. There's no downside to this and all upside because now you can lock down and secure the young talent and build around them. Okay, here's implication slash question number two. Was there another contract that could have been restructured instead? Here's what Bob says just really quick. There was. Vaughn Miller has three years remaining on his current deal. His deal expires just before Bradley Chubb would enter the fifth-year option of his first-round rookie deal. In Miller's case, it would have involved a short extension, say two years, that would allow the Broncos to lower his cap number but keep him around for the next two or three seasons following 2019, then, if needed to, move on when it would come time to invest in to Chubb. So there are a couple other. Well, really, it's it comes down to Miller. If you're if you're really looking up to or looking to free up money, I don't see any other strong candidate. Maybe Emmanuel Sanders, but Von Miller was the only other option. And I'm of the opinion that if you're going to fiddle with money at this stage, it's probably better to to keep it with Flacco, who you don't really have a long term commitment to than perhaps upsetting the apple cart in any way with Von Miller and his representation. Right, spot on. That's what I was thinking too because of how acrimonious you know negotiations were a couple of years ago before his big deal. And they're going to kind of come to a head in the next couple of years. Von Miller, John Elway, the Broncos front office, he's going to want another big deal. And now you have Bradley Chubb kind of taking the torch over. I don't think, like you said, Chad, Elway at this point wants to do anything that would upset Von Miller and take away his money or move his money around, whatever. So yeah, there was no other really candidate to, to free up some money with. Flacco was absolutely the right choice and the only choice. Bob goes on to list a few other candidates in his third point, including Derek Wolf, um, but you know, even Chris Harris Jr. But the Harris thing, you know, we've, we've touched on this a million times now on the podcast. The Broncos are very much in a wait-and-see mode as it relates to Chris Harris, and Harris is as well. He wants to test the free agent waters next, right. next uh, spring. So let's jump to number four. What's the deal with the voidable years? Here's what Bob says. Voidable years are a mechanism by which teams spread out a signing bonus over additional years than they would otherwise. In Flacco's case, he had three years left on his current contract. The Broncos restructured $17 million of his base salary and spread it out over five years using the voidable years tactic. That means a $3.4 million cap charge in each of the next three seasons, then the same cap charge in 2022 and 2023 for the time being. So... The voidable years in Flacco's, well, let me finish it for for what Bob said. Flacco's 2020 cap charge rises to $23.65 million from the $20.25 million, and his 2021 cap charge rises to $27.6 over what originally was $24.25. So that's something to keep in mind is that because they converted that $17 million, they freed up in, in, into a, a signing bonus, they freed up that $12 million, but... It also inflated the cap number for 2020 and 2021, Zach. Yeah, but this is a really nice maneuver by Mike Sullivan, the Broncos cap whiz, is is freeing up money, still converting it to a signing bonus to placate Flacco while leaving yourself the option of getting out of his contract and not being tied to a 34-year-old signal caller for the next you know three or four years. They can get out of this deal, and they don't have to be all in for the long term. They could, if they want, transition to Drew Locke, to another quarterback, so there really is no downside to this move, and uh, it's a great article breaking down the specifics of it and the, and the money aspect of it because so many things go into that. A lot of fans think it's just uh, you know actual money on the salary cap on the line and, and dollars and cents. It doesn't work like that. There's so many different variables that go into play, and the way they handled this Flacco move, taking on his contract from Baltimore with that big extension, uh, there's really no downside, nothing you can really hate on. 
All right, number five, what's the impact for getting out of the deal in future seasons? Bob says, quote, the Broncos could still move on from Flacco after 2019 because they didn't fully guarantee his 2020 salary, meaning they wouldn't owe him that $20.25 million if they cut him before the start of the 2020 regular season. However, a straight cut in 2020 before June 1st means that $13.6 million would come in dead money with a $10.5 million in cap space freed. So if the Broncos, because of this extension, or not, well, I guess technically it's an extension slash restructure, they are going to have some dead money if they ended up moving on from Flacco next year. Yeah, it's it's based on you know a quarterback's contract. There's always going to be some penalty, just like anything else. And if you want to break your contract, let's say at your phone company, for us, you know, us mortals, there's going to be a penalty for that. In the NFL realm, it's no different. So if they want to move on from a 34 year old, highly paid former Super Bowl MVP signal caller, uh, it's going to cost them a little bit. But what they gain in terms of cap relief, uh, for the most part, and also the chance to usher in a new young quarterback potentially, I, I think it's a move they. Uh, would have to make and they would have no problem making if it meant that you know to, to move it forward on that same number five point that that uh, implication that Bob highlights there one thing I want to point to is unlike a lot of these free agent deals where they have to teams have to make a decision before a new league year begins in Flacco's case because he has no guaranteed money in his deal nor any roster bonuses that must be paid on a certain date quote here from Bob the Broncos don't have to cut him before the start of any new NFL calendar year and designate him a post-June 1st cut. They can simply wait until after June 1st to cut him. So what that means is if the team plans on at, at, the, at least testing the waters of whether or not 2020 is the beginning of the Drew Locke era, they can either let him battle it out, they can wait to see how Locke looks in camp before they make a decision on Flacco. Yeah, and that's the best case scenario. They can really let the cards, you know, play out on the table and see what they want to pick and choose from. And that's the way to go. That's how you transition from a, a bridge starter, I guess you could say, what Joe Flacco is, maybe a short-term franchise quarterback, to your potential face of your franchise, whether that is Drew Locke or somebody else. I, it's it's if, if there was a way to do it based on the way they kind of backed into a corner with Case Keenum and all the failed quarterback moves they've made, it could be a lot worse. All right, we still have a few more points here from Bob's article we want to address. First, though, you guys, a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, Zach, number six here from Bob. Why didn't the Broncos do this with Flacco earlier? Here's what Bob says. Quote, first of all, the Broncos wanted to find out how well Flacco would look in practices and during the preseason before making a decision. That's really the bottom line. And even er, uh, last week in John Elway's weekly Elway Access sit-down with Broncos TV, he said that up to this point, Joe Flacco has met every expectation that the brass had for him. So they waited to make that determination. Once they realized they liked what they've seen so far, they went ahead and made that move. Yeah, that's um, it's that's their thinking, and they have to be in con- with conviction in their moves and conviction in their thinking. And we can't really second guess them until this process plays out. You can look on Elway's history and his past and the failed quarterback moves. But you have to think, based on the way he looked himself in the mirror of this offseason, based on the way he's restructured this team, and the way he's changed the way he's done things and handled business, that he finally got the quarterback situation down pat. Here's one that should really, these next two points, really interest Broncos country. Seven, what does this mean for Drew Locke? Here's what Bob says, quote, I don't believe the Broncos are giving up on Drew Locke. They still see him as the quarterback of the future. It just means the future may not come as early as originally thought. Had Locke not sprained his thumb and went into the regular season healthy, it's possible the Broncos don't restructure Flacco's contract because Locke would have had the chance to practice and be in a better position to take over as the starter in 2020. I don't really disagree with that premise at all. Zach, I think that it's, you know, the Broncos are basically protecting themselves, hedging against any kind of, um, you know, Locke's development, you know, being slowed by this, this, this thumb injury. So, Still, though, I think even the way they have this newly structured with Flacco, it gives them the opportunity to really see what Locke looks like next spring and early summer before making a final decision on Flacco. Yeah, I was making this point a few minutes ago, and I definitely agree with it. Uh, if It's fair to wonder if Locke never got hurt, would the Broncos still have made this move with Flacco? We'll never know the answer, uh, but I fully believe that he was on schedule or even maybe ahead of schedule uh, in the way they wanted to go about next season. Considering how the offense looked with Flacco, it wasn't necessarily mind-blowing. So maybe uh, Locke stays healthy, he his development's on schedule, and he pushes Flacco for the for this job next year. Now it probably won't happen. Now he's behind in his development, now he's behind in his progress. That injury, he has to wait more, eight more weeks to practice uh, at the minimum, and that just gives you know Flacco the more being the understood quarterback. So yeah, that's, that's what it means for Drew Locke at the present moment. All right, let's move to number eight. I even wrote when I did the news story on this, what is this? Why are the Broncos freeing up the, the cap space when they now have $12 million? Are they looking to make a move perhaps at left tackle just in case things, if, if Garrett Bowles craps the bed early week one, you're probably going to get a pretty good beat on whether or not Bowles is taking that leap forward in year three under Mike Munchak. Could the Broncos, <clears throat> could the Broncos now trade for Redskins left tackle Trent Williams? Here's what Bob says, quote, There's been some speculation that the Broncos could make a push to acquire left tackle Trent Williams from the Washington Redskins. The cap space the Broncos gained does open the door for such a trade. However, keep in mind that Williams is due a $10.85 million base salary this year. 
He's also certain to want an extension. And even in the extremely unlikely situation that he doesn't want an extension, the Broncos would have to extend him because that $10.85 million in salary would take up the bulk of the remaining cap space the Broncos freed. So last thing Bob says here, while I did rule out trading for Williams earlier in the, in the offseason, I won't rule it out entirely now, but I would wait it out for two important reasons. First, the Broncos need to see how they do in the coming weeks and determine if they have a legit shot at the playoffs. If they do, it would make more sense to trade for Williams. And second, the Redskins are telling other teams they don't want to trade Williams. Quote, we don't want to trade a player, unquote, is code for, quote, we have to set our price at a point that nobody wants to meet. In other words, they're asking for too much in a trade. What are your thoughts on this as it regards the Broncos perhaps taking a look at Williams? In my humble opinion, I I can rule it out safely. I mean, you invested a first-round pick on Garrett Bowles. Like you said, Chad, you're kind of waiting to see how he's going to be in his all-important third year. You just blew NFL record money at the time on a right tackle in Juwan James. I mean, you're committed at those positions. And then you're going to bring on another highly paid tackle who literally quit on his team and is holding out into the regular season. Why would you usher that into the locker room? Why would you add that into the equation with Vic Fangio, the most old school coach, old school guy, no nonsense guy. It just doesn't make sense on a financial level or a personnel level. I don't see Trent Williams coming to Denver in any scenario. All right. I'm going to skip number nine, let you guys go read this article. Number 10, and then we'll move on to a couple of quick questions and get out of here. What does this mean for 2020? Here's what Bob says. First, I believe the Broncos will keep Flacco in 2020. That means my offseason game plan for 2020 that I discussed a few days ago doesn't change on that point. Second, the Broncos will still have plenty of cap space to work with so they can still extend Shelby Harris and Justin Simmons and then add other free agents as desired. The team can gain additional cap space by declining Ronald Larry's team option and the door could still be open for bringing back players who test the market but maybe don't find deals to their liking, whether that's a Chris Harris, whether that's a Will Parks, there's plenty of other candidates. But really, I think for 2020, this just is, it doesn't really change too much other than the Broncos still have an out if Flacco fails this year or they feel like you know they're, they're, they're more inclined to invest in Drew Locke next season. Yeah, and what it means for 2020, at least in my opinion, is now you have the money to sign that talent before 2020 and for 2020 and for 2020 and beyond. You lock them down now. You get them locked into a below or at market rate value and not let their price skyrocket. Let's say Shelby Harris has a huge season. Justin Simmons has a huge season. They're going to want big money on the open market. Chris Harris Jr. too. What it means for 2020 is you give the opportunity ahead of time to lock down the talent. Now, I would just be surprised, Chad, and I could be wrong, if they didn't free up this money to you know retain their own talent and not look outside. Yeah. I mean, bottom line, it it gives them a little more flexibility to make moves this year if they need to. They now have a little bit of breathing room, and it doesn't really change anything in terms of their long-term commitment to Joe Flacco. So the Drew Locke being the future of the team window is still wide open, and it really comes down to two things. Does Joe Flacco elevate this team in 2019, and does Drew Locke, even though he's on IR at least for the next eight weeks, does he show enough between now and next June 1st to bounce Flacco off this roster? None of that has changed. So let's turn the page, get, grab a couple of questions, one from YouTube, one from Twitter. As always, Zach and I are your football priests, and each and every week we're going to be here to offer you the absolution and answers to your Burning Broncos questions. This first one here comes from Twitter from great listener, longtime listener, Jedi Joshua 58 He says, 
with the cap space opened up and wanting to compete this year, do you guys think Elway should try to make a trade for an inside linebacker? A tackle would be too expensive probably, but ILB is probably our biggest weakness on defense. Thoughts? Zach, your answer for Josh. I, it's something we've touched on multiple times in multiple pods this offseason. I'm of the opinion they should have solidified that spot with a veteran pickup, either in the draft or free agency. They, they can't do that really now. Not a lot of options out there. I don't see it happening, though. I really think Fangio and Elway are content with, with Todd Davis, Josie Jules, the starters, and they're not freaking out about Davis's injury just yet. They like the backup talent they have on the roster, they have on the practice squad, uh, they have around the team. I don't see a trade for an inside linebacker, barring another injury or a worse setback for Todd Davis. Yeah, and you got to remember too, Josh, that teams out there who have a viable or an interesting player at, at the, or player, I should say, at inside linebacker that would interest outside teams via the trade market. These are player. These are teams now that are are committed to and need these these off ball linebackers. Now yeah. there might be some situations around the league we'd have to go case by case and look at whether or not there is enough depth out on a on an inside linebacker depth chart to justify a team being willing to put a guy on on the trading block but it's at this point in most cases now there's always exceptions but in most cases the teams who the players that are on a 53-man roster they're there because the team is counting on them this year so doesn't rule out the possibility i mean the broncos still have another month and a half before the trade deadline but uh it's something to to keep in mind and something we'll be monitoring as we get further into the regular season now last question then we'll get out of here this one comes from youtube from mike oz he says, I'd love a comparison of this current 2019 Broncos roster to the Broncos rosters of previous years. Try to find the closest comparison you can. Mike, I gave this a little bit of thought, and I don't mean to you know, draw any connotations here or make you think this is any kind of bold prediction, but this roster reminds me a lot of the 2015 squad that went on to win the championship. And here's what I mean by that. You got a former Super Bowl MVP quarterback, who at this point in 2015, the Broncos' Peyton Manning had only won one Super Bowl, right, with the Colts back in 06. Super Bowl MVP of that game. Flacco at this stage, same thing. He's got one Super Bowl ring, and he was the the Super Bowl MVP. Uh, Maybe a little, not quite, no, it's about the same in terms of distance, how, how far away they were from when they won that world championship. Bottom line, though, is you've got kind of an underrated guy you might question his age you might question whether he's lost any of the mustard on his fastball but you know he's he's got the ability to win he's won games in the league defensively Zach if you look across the board I mean that 2015 roster defensively one of the best of all time now that's way too early to say that about the 2019 counterpart however if you go position by position you know, DeMarcus Ware, now you got Bradley Chubb. Von Miller, still Von Miller. The defensive line, we'll see whether or not Adam Gotsis can take a step forward in 2019 in the same way that Malik Jackson did in 2015. Nose tackle, you had Sylvester Williams as your starter last year, uh, that year in 2015. This year, you've got Shelby Harris, two guys who have a chance. You know, Williams had a chance that year to take a step forward. Got a, a free agent deal the next year didn't quite work out the way you wanted or maybe it was a year after that I can't remember exactly when Williams left now off the top of my head but Harris sitting in a contract year now kind of a an unquestioned starter has a chance to take a step forward and then you look at the secondary the only difference I think is the linebackers were more proven for the Broncos but not so much proven they're proven in hindsight I guess Zach because Danny Trevathan and Brandon Marshall that those years were their coming out parties so it remains to be seen whether or not the same will hold true for Todd Davis and Josie Jewell but what's your answer 
Uh, Chad, you nailed it pretty well there. I was going to say they remind me something of the 2015 team, 2014. And like you, I don't mean that to say they're going to be a playoff contender or Super Bowl contender. They just have certain uh, things in place that harken back to those teams. They have a good, uh, competent defensive coaching staff. They have a, a veteran quarterback who's experienced under center. They have a, a, a stocked roster, or at least you know more stocked compared to what it was the last couple of years. There are certain breadcrumbs that, that, that lead you to believe they could be uh, something along those lines. But they're going to be their own team. They're going to be the 2019 Broncos, and it's going to be ups and downs. It's not going to be um, anything exact to what we've seen in the past. They're going to kind of forge their own identity and make their own story this year. But I can, if you're looking for some sort of comparison gun to my head, I would say 2014-2015 Broncos for those reasons. All right. Well, hey, guys, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. We hope you guys have all enjoyed the opening week of the NFL. Hope your fantasy team's crushed out there. We'll see how things shake out in the MHH Fantasy League that is being commissioned by my partner in crime here, Zach Kelberman. Make sure you got your your, uh, ducks in a row there, all of you team owners. But we will uh, be back tomorrow for the gut reaction to what happens as you guys are listening to this tonight in the Monday night football game between the Denver Broncos and Oakland Raiders. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at huddle up pod. You can find my partners at Kelberman on Twitter at Kelberman NFL myself at Chad and Jensen. Let's hope the Denver Broncos come out and make a statement in front of a nationally televised audience and uh, keep pace with the chiefs and the chargers for Zach Kelberman. I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 